Hi everyone, welcome back. Uh, welcome to another issue of Money Talks. Thank you for thank you for joining us today. I just want to remind everybody, uh, my name is Hugh Meyer, and Money Talks was established to bring on elite entrepreneurs, thought leaders, and business experts to find out how they're thinking creatively during very disruptive times. And with that, I'd like to uh, welcome our guest today, Mike Michalowicz. How you doing, Mike? I'm doing well, Hugh. Thanks for having me. Thank you for being here. Excited to uh, talk to you. Uh, I was interest, introduced to you uh, on a Donald, Donald Miller podcast, which I uh, think very highly of him. And, uh, yeah, he's awesome. He's great and uh, learned a lot about you here uh, lately. And let's get right into it. Can you just tell us, the audience, a little bit about yourself and your background? Sure, sure. So an uh, entrepreneur my whole life. I'm an author, though, for the last 12 years full time. I wrote Profit First uh, is my money book. Uh, Clockwork, uh, my efficiency book, and, and, and six titles. And uh, so on a mission, actually, it's funny, I have the sign right here, to eradicate entrepreneurial poverty, meaning there is this struggle that entrepreneurs uh, experience, is this vision for financial freedom, but the reality of the financial struggle, and, and my life's commitment is to close that gap. I truly believe entrepreneurs and business owners should be wildly profitable. It fuels the economy. So that's, that's my mission. You, uh, you, uh, your ears must have been burning because you already went to my next question, which was, you know, how you, your, your mission. I mean, it's so, it's so clear and it's so, it's so poignant. I wanted to, uh, to kind of get your thoughts on that. Then you, maybe you can elaborate on that. For I'd love to, I, I, you know, it came to me for my own, uh, my own life experience. I, I've been an entrepreneur my entire adult life ever since college and, had some businesses that were successful from all outside parameters. I, they were in the tech space. They were, one was acquired private equity, Fortune 500 exit, and had you know, tons of money, and it looked amazing. Here, here's the honest truth. Those businesses were always on the brink of going under. They weren't financially viable. They were going in sales, but it was tenuous, to say the least, when it came to profitability. I was lucky to sell those companies. My third business, though, I was so cloud thinking I knew everything. I became an angel right. investor. I said, I'm going to make it rain money and start all these businesses and just was <laughs> such a massive ego and chock full of, 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 of ignorance. That combination is deadly, ego and ignorance. Um, so I lost all my money. And the, the waking up moment for me was I had to come home to my wife and my three children and, and tell them that we're going to lose our house. We never declared bankruptcy but we did have to liquidate quickly just to sustain. So get rid of the house, get rid of the cars, get rid of everything. Wow. Total restart. And uh, I was ashamed. I was crying. I was embarrassed. And I was telling my family this because I've been lying to them by omission, not telling them what's going on. And the, the defining moment was I looked at my daughter. She was nine at the time. And I said, I can't pay for your horseback riding lessons, the $20 session. And she ran away. I thought she was running away from me. She ran out of the room as fast as the legs could carry her. She wasn't running away. She ran to her room to grab her piggy bank. And she ran back to me. She goes, Daddy, Daddy. She goes, since you can't be our provider, I will. Wow. And um, that, I've told that story so many times, I still get emotional. That was, um, that was a, a necessary wake-up call for me. That I didn't understand finances, even though I said I did. I didn't understand some of the basics of entrepreneurship. And it wasn't like the next morning, moment I wake up and say, I've got this all figured out. But I, I did devote myself to figuring it out. And uh, now it's been... 12 years, that happened in 2008, 12 years since then. And I've been an author on this quest to eradicate entrepreneurial poverty. That's yeah, I mean, that's, thank you for that. That's, uh, I mean, when you hear real stories from people like yourself who've seen 
both sides of this, seeing success and failure, I mean, that's got to inspire people to realize that, yeah, we're in a very difficult time right now, but you can get up off the mat, so to speak, and create and create something, you know, push your business forward, you know, partner with something, whatever it is, but, you know, life is not over. Um, and it's great to get stories from people like yourself who can, you know, say this happened to me. Uh, and thank you for that. That's great. You're welcome. You know, I, I think we're 2008 was a great recession. I think this is the great reinvention. And it's not that businesses are reinventing on their own volition. It's consumer demand is being reinvented. Like customers are going to buy, are buying, I'm buying in a new way. Um, you can't get things lickety split on Amazon uh, like you used to. Right. Uh, restaurants aren't serving you inside anymore. And this changing the way that we as businesses must respond to that. I do know this, out of every recession, every financial uh, shift we've had in the economy, it's always been a group of the small guys, small businesses, investors, whatever, that turn the economy. Right. It's not gonna be Amazon or Google or Airbnb that just figures it out and they start cranking forward. It's gonna be some small guy who reinvents the way uh, that customer demand is served. So we, we will come out of this and. I think it's going to be the small guy that does it. Yeah. And uh, thank you for that. And, and they need, you know, that's why we're doing this podcast is try to connect people like yourself because the small business owner, they continue to be hampered right now, hurt. Um, and, you know, it's, it's our job to try to help these people, yeah. give them some thought, give them some ideas, but from people that have done this before and have seen like seen both sides. So thank you. Yeah. Um, you, you, in a lot of cases, you talk about developing a repeatable process, whether it's within a business for teams. Can you, can you talk a little bit about that? Sure. So at the end of the day, I believe every business, regardless of what you do, we are all manufacturers. I mean, we all create something at the end. Right. Maybe it's a physical product, but, or maybe it's a service. Maybe it's an emotion we're delivering, but we're creating something. And for us to serve a community, there has to be predictability in that service. Like, you know, wowing a customer one day and the next day pissing customers off is, is not a good, good track record. We want to wow customers over and over again to have that consistent experience. And that comes out of repetition. Here's the analogy. There are uh, general practitioners, doctors, and there's, there's brain surgeons. And a general practitioner by nature is a generalist. They do everything you know, pretty well. They can diagnose skin problems and if you have a headache and so forth. But the second they identify that headache is like a brain tumor, the general practitioner doesn't say, hey, I've never done this before, but I've always been interested in brain surgery. Would you be interested in being my first patient? We'd be like, uh, no, but I'll give you a discount. No. It's, it's when we have a, something that's life-threatening that we want to go to the world's best. A brain surgeon is defined by a doctor who has repeatedly done that process so many times that it's been perfected. We want someone that has done this a thousand times before, so I have an assurity that I'll be served well. Well, that's what repetition brings about. That's what systems bring about. When we consistently serve the same type of client in the same type of way and then give the same deliverable, we become masterful in the process and our reputation gets elevated accordingly. People who have brain tumors seek out the brain surgeon. When it comes to the general practitioner, you know, are you in my neighborhood? And the day you move across the country, I'm not going to see you anymore. Right. If we're a generalist, there are people going to buy from us on convenience and price. If we're a specialist, people are going to buy from us because they see our service 
as life-saving for their business, as critical and important. And they'll seek us out. Great. That, that's, uh, that's a great piece of advice. If I find now that all, all businesses, large and small, really need to kind of look within and, and figure out, are those processes, are they efficient? Are, you know, are, you, are they specific? Are yeah. they repeatable? Are, you, you know, are they consistent, delivering a consistent message? Uh, and so, you know, now's the time. Hopefully people have been looking within their own businesses to, to take, kind of take these steps. So thank you for that. Mm-hmm. Um, do you find that considering post pre COVID and post COVID, do you find that that kind of dynamic or those thoughts have changed at all? As far as, you know, businesses were functioning one way, you know, January, February, and now potentially they're functioning quite differently. Yeah, I would say the essence of business doesn't change. We have to be consistent. We have to deliver on what the customer wants. It has to be delivered with a way that we're meeting expectations or exceeding expectations. I think that all fundamentally stays the same. The big difference is the customer need has changed. And the big mistake is small businesses aren't asking how it's changed. They're just kind of guessing at it. I'll give you an example of the restaurant. You know, I know it's happened in LA here too. Uh, I can't believe how many restaurants have gone out of business because they simply said, I don't know what to do. And they froze right. up. Some of them did the obvious solution. Like I got to do takeout and carry out. But the really smart businesses ask customers, how can we serve you now? And uh, I was working with one customer in, in Mexico, actually. And uh, they did this. They reached out to customers and said, hey, we're still in business, but we know you can't see us here. Is there a new way we can serve you? And people said, we have you know, your five or six menu items that we really love. We wish we could make them at home. So this restaurant started making recipes to sell for people at home. But then they really amplified it. And they said, we'd like to do cooking classes. So over Zoom, every Monday night for the next five or six weeks, we're going to cook our favorite dishes, and you're going to spend two hours of, of entertainment and fun and cooking. You're going to reconnect with your community because it's not just your family. It's other families there. Right. They are more profitable on this service offering than anything they've done in the past by reinventing, but it all started by asking customers, how can we serve you now? That's great. I mean, that's – it's it's – those are the stories we need to hear more about. Yeah. And clearly the media is not programmed to deliver on the positive news where no, there, never. Where, where there are people that are, you know, thank you for that, that can use your, your, you know, consulting and your great advice to really go further and be better as a business um, and expand and, and do great things and help the community. You don't, we don't hear that. We continue to hear about the losses and the businesses closing and not these stories. Yeah, the shock factor is always uh, the outlier and therefore it gets on the news, which I'll tell you is interesting. If you see on the news, that means it's abnormal. It's not the typical. So I would argue there's more businesses adjusting and sustaining than there are failing, but that's not newsworthy. Right. The day that every business fails, but one succeeds, that's when the news will talk about the one succeeding. So it, that's when I would get nervous when the news talks about all the businesses succeeding. So if the news talks about it, it's not the norm. That, that's lesson one. I think though also we can, um, we can learn from our uh, contemporaries in, in different industries. So you don't have to own a restaurant to right. learn from this. You know, the restaurant is speaking to the customers and they took something that they already did, they just packaged it in a new way. So I think any business can do this. Uh, it's funny, just down the street from here, I saw a gym 
that is now doing the the gym routines outside. So many gyms have gone virtual, but this one, they they took over the parking lot and they um, have uh, more customers coming in, not just for the gym, but people are all driving by thinking it's some kind of performance and more people are pulling the parking lot to watch people work out. (laughs) It's become a marketing piece. Um, So I'm just hearing all these unique approaches. Actually, I'll tell you my favorite. There was a DJ, you know, DJs can't, uh, do gatherings anymore because there's no gatherings. Right. So one DJ says, um, he reached out to his, his past clients and stuff and says, well, you know, what do you want? He said, we wish we could party even if it was at our own house. And that triggered an idea. He said, I'll come to your cul-de-sac in your neighborhood. I'll set up some music. We'll have a cul-de-sac party for 10 or 15 houses for, for 30 minutes. And it's totally free. But here's the hook. He gets the local food restaurant that does delivery as right. a sponsor. So they pay for it. He does the 30-minute party and says, hey, that was brought to you by Joe's Pizza. Order right now. They're ready to deliver to your house. And everyone wants takeout. So he's actually making money, more money on a per half-hour basis by getting a $1,000 sponsor for a half-hour party. He does five parties in a night. You know, he does two and a half hours. The guy makes $5,000. Not too shabby. No, it's not. <laughs> that's yeah. great. That's uh, that, that's a, that's an amazing story. I mean, that's again, we don't hear enough of these, and yeah. uh, I know I would block off my block off my street, do something like that. I mean, it's great. It's healthy, and you're with your community, and you're helping business. Right. You're helping commerce. Right, right, right. Exactly. I think that's the best reinventions now are ones that don't consider. It's not considering how do I make money now. It's how do I serve the customer in a new way where they're even having a better experience than they did before. Um, yeah. Food for thought. Oh, that's great. Uh, thank you for that. In one of your recent blog posts, you talk about transforming your business in five simple steps. Can you, uh, can you elaborate on that a little bit? Oh, um, <laughs> I write so many blog posts. <laughs> I don't, I actually don't, do you remember are the bullet points in there? Cause I can elaborate on that. I just can't remember what the five steps are that I put. Uh, I don't have them here listed. Um, All right, then here's, here's what I'll do. Is I'll, I'll give you a hybrid of ways. Perfect. Perfect. So, so I just can't remember the steps verbatim. That's the problem of being an author. You know, I, I've written, I think I just ran, recently calculated, I think it was over a million words now. And I'm like, wow. I, I literally cannot remember all the stuff I write. So step one is um, to leverage what you don't have and realize that's an advantage. Here's what I mean. If you don't have experience in a market or you don't have a network or you don't have money, the only way to navigate any of those is through innovation and rule breaking. And it's the rule breakers that own industries. So as you deliver your service or product, if you don't know the rules to follow in the industry, you'll get noticed for that by the prospects and customers. You'll serve them in a new way. So it's your lack of resources that is your advantage. Leverage that. The lack of money is a big advantage too because then you have to find ways to get results at no cost and which then positions you for the next stage, which is profitability. So step two, profit is everything. And if, if you hear otherwise you're being lied to like, Oh, people are like, Oh, you want profit. You're greedy. That's totally not what it's about. Profit translates to sustainability. Right. And without it, you can't sustain sales and people misunderstand this sales translates to stress. And here's what I mean. Every time you, you or I have a sale, it gives us both obligation. If, if, if I sell to you, you buy something, I now am responsible to deliver on that promise. The more I sell, 
the more responsibility to deliver. And as a small business owner, the more responsibility on my organization, right. the more on my shoulders, which means more stress for me. The, the balance to that, to reduce the stress is profitability. So profitability is necessary and you need to bake it into your business. It's not an event. It doesn't happen eventually. Every single transaction, there must be profit. Um, the, the next one is customer engagement. Um, you know, the customer is part of the experience. They're not just benefiting from it. They can give you direction. Their feedback is critical. So solicit honest feedback. I go nuts when, you know, I get the, an oil change for my car and it's like, hey, did we earn a five-star rating? Give us five stars so we know we're a five-star organization. If we fell short, we'll fix it for five stars. Clearly, I have one option here to give them five stars or they're going like, to send a hitman after me. They're <laughs> gaming the system. And therefore, the feedback they're getting is inauthentic and won't improve the business. Conversely, the right way to do it is say, uh, thank you for uh, being a client of ours. We want your integral, honest feedback. Where did we excel? Where did we fall short? Well, we're going to improve where we fell short, and we want to know where we're excelling so we can maintain that standard. Really seek integral feedback and, and act upon it, and never, never challenge a customer on uh, negative feedback. When someone says, you know, such and such the element of, you, of your business sucked, like the customer service sucked, to say, well, our customer service doesn't suck, you suck. It causes conflict. Instead say, I'm really sorry you had that experience. Thanks for your integral feedback. We hope, I hope this is not a systemic problem and this is an anomaly, but I'm gonna focus in on repairing this. Thank you for the feedback. Take the feedback. Number uh, four is your vendors matter just as much as your clients and we don't think that way. But your vendors are effectively your extension of your employees. Right. They get things done for your business. Your employees do things for your business, but your vendors get done things for your business too. So they need to be treated like employees. Like if they do a good job, notify your vendors. Our own bookkeeper today, she went above and beyond yesterday uh, doing some stuff with numbers for a new employee and reporting it. We sent a thank you note and a little gift saying, thank you so much for supporting us. Now, I know she's a vendor and she gets paid by us, but so are my, are my employees. They get paid by me. Recognizing when they go the extra mile, rewarding yes. that causes them to go the extra mile every single time and that elevates the business. And then the final thing is, number five, be consistent with who you are. Here's the final lesson. Our businesses, I believe, are platforms of expression for us. And the ultimate sin is to ignore who we are and placate to just selling. There's a concept around there around going called pivoting. And uh, <laughs> it kind of gives me a bad taste in the mouth because what pivot means is sell to the customer. If they're not buying, change your offering until they buy and keep changing until you buy. Problem is, I see businesses change and change what they do until the customer's buying, but the owner hates the business. And who wants to own a business that you hate? Therefore, don't pivot, instead align. And what align is, is be true to yourself. What makes your heart sing? What serves the customers? And if you need to adjust, adjust to the customer's needs as long as it makes your heart sing, you stay in that alignment, and then you have a business that's gonna be wildly successful. Uh, uh, that was great, I love the end. The discussion there about the word pivot. I had a, <laughs> I had a webinar a couple months back with a, a local investor, and I I threw that word out there, and I thought he was going to reach through the reach through the the, the computer and grab me. <laughs> oh, he's all he, jacked up about it. Well, he, he he, but it was very similar to the to the your your explanation of you know 
that's not the word you, you don't want to be, you know, you're not on a chair, you know, going like this. That's not what you're trying to do. You're, like you said, you're trying to align yourself with your, with the customer, yeah. find out what their needs are. It's not about pivoting to make a sale. That's not right. what it's about. So uh, thank you for, uh, thank you for hammering that home. I'm sure you uh, <laughs> will. will uh, the camera. Yeah. The, uh, our, our, our viewers will definitely remember that. So uh, that, that, thank you for that. Um, what, Maybe leave us with one one last piece of a, a thought or a piece of advice for for business owners right now. Yeah, I'll give you one um, that comes right out of my book, Profit First. Is this is everyone listening in right now? If you own a business, I will guarantee you will be profitable tomorrow and permanently if you do two steps, and they're real simple. Step one is go to your existing bank and set up one additional account called savings, a savings account and call it Profit. That's step one. The idea is we're going to start allocating money to this account before you spend a dime. So as money flows in, we're going to allocate money to profit. Step two is allocate 1% of your income. So if $1,000 comes in today, I'm saying take $10 out of your income, put in the profit account, hide it from yourself. Right. You, you've made it. Uh, there it is. The guarantee has been delivered on. You made a, a $10 profit of cash. But do this with every transaction. So the day after, take 1%. Keep doing this. And over time, that money will accumulate. And then you'll discover that you can actually take your cash profit first and start running your business off of what's truly available for it. And that 1% will become two or five or 10. It'll grow over time, but it will have a remarkable impact in your business. It does require that one simple, courageous thing. Get your butt to the bank or with COVID, do it online, right. but set up that account and start doing it. It will be a game changer. I agreed. Again, um, another uh, friend and colleague of mine who I hosted on, on, on this podcast made a very similar comment as far as your strategy was slightly different, but the concept being get to a bank and open up this other account as far as have this protective reserve, God forbid we all get shut down and we're in lockdown again, go do this now. Um, so there's no excuse, no none. excuse. Well, uh, thank you. Uh, that this is, this has really been great. Um, again, Mike, thank you for being such a, a great resource to me today for our viewers and for, and for all the viewers out there. And I know, uh, you know, you know, the books are extremely helpful to people. Stories are inspiring. And, you know, that's what we're trying to do here on this podcast is really be a resource to small business owners, connect people like yourself to them who give these great pieces of advice and uh, can, can really march forward. So again, thank you for spending the time today. Really appreciate it. It was great to meet you in person. Likewise. Stay well. And just remember, everyone, please subscribe to our YouTube channel, Money Talks. Smash the like button. And uh, we'll be back with another podcast next week. Take care. And remember, Money Talks. Thanks, Mike. Have a good day. Thank you, Hugh. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.